Welcome to Women Who Sarcast. I'm Kathy Barron. My guest today is the spiritual leader at Genesis Center for Spiritual Living. Her focus is to meet people where they are and provide the tools to those interested in transforming their lives through the science of mind principles. She is an inspiring speaker, insightful teacher, and compassionate leader. Please welcome Reverend Gail Dillon. Hi. Hi, Gail. Thanks for being here. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for asking me. So how would you describe the science of mind philosophy to someone who has never heard of it? I would say that the science of mind is the melding of all great religions. Uh, It is part of the New Thought movement, and the New Thought movement is really a movement that started in the um, United States in the late 1800s, early 1900s. His Declaration of Principles were published in 1928, Uh, and when I say he, I mean Ernest Holmes, who was the founder of this philosophy. And so he was an avid reader. And he came to believe that all paths lead to God and there isn't a wrong path as long as you find your way to that essence, whatever you call it. And it spoke to me personally because there's not a lot of dogma, if any. So the Centers for Spiritual Living are the centers that preach, practice the science of mind philosophy, correct? Right. Science of mind philosophy, like, you know, in the, in the Christian religion, they have the Baptists and the Lutherans and the, so we would be the religious scientists. Our book would be the science of mind or what we teach is the science of mind. You and I met in Santa Fe, I think it was what, 2009, 2010, around there somewhere. I think I might, I don't know if I met you at the center. If I did, it would have had to have been 2010 because that's when we started. I met you At the Santa Fe Center for Spiritual Living. Okay, so it could have been before, because we we got there, I started there in 2009, so that's probably where we met. And then you broke off and started your own church called Everyday Center for Spiritual Living. But you were a practitioner at Santa Fe Center for Spiritual Living, correct? I was a practitioner and ministerial student. I lived in Seattle. We had a plan that we were going to move to Santa Fe in 2010 once I graduated from ministerial school, and we ended up moving there in December of 2007. While I was living in Santa Fe, it became apparent to me that my original vision for ministry, which was going to be write a book, which I still have not done, and tour the United States and and sell my book. I was in a class and I had to speak at three different churches. And when I spoke at Albuquerque for Center for Spiritual Living, I got like this, oh no, this is what you're supposed to do. And so uh, that was a big discussion I got to have with my husband. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. Over his favorite dinner, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, actually we were were walking in the Arroyo. I remember it clearly. We were walking and, and talking about, you know, what his goals were, what he wanted to do, what my goals were, what I wanted to do. And I was like, and if we're going to follow your goals, I'm good with that. But then I'm not going to do this mm-hmm. because um, I don't want my husband out traveling the world without me. And so he said, well, let's focus on yours because it's more realistic at this time, at, in this moment in time. And I then said, and... You could be the music director. You could play every single Sunday because my husband, as you know, 
is a singer-songwriter. So mm -hmm. that is how we began with, and it wasn't just the two of us. We had a, a team of people that were very interested in us starting a center and supported us in doing that and became like our first members. Right. Yeah, I remember that. I was one of those. You were one of those. So it was probably a good thing you were walking in the Aurora up in case you needed to like leave his body behind in case he didn't like agree with you. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So you decided to become a, a reverend. You decided to start your church. How was that experience of becoming a reverend and that first step of you wanting to start your own church? So it was interesting when I, um, in our philosophy, once you graduate and, it, and it's a master's degree program, and once you graduate with your master's degree, you go to a Silomar. And so you go and you panel. And what that means is as a ministerial student, once you have graduated, so I was already going to get my diploma, you sit down in front of three of your future colleagues and they ask you questions. And usually it can last up to an hour. And then you step out and you come back and they say, yay, you're a minister. Jean Watson, who was a dear friend and a practitioner emeritus and a really strong advocate for me, wanted to come with us when we went to a seminar. And so I went into panel and absolutely had not a not an emotional meltdown where anybody in the room would know I was having an emotional meltdown, but an emotional meltdown to the point of just kind of shutting down. Mm. And the three ministers, even through that, wanted to pass me and they wanted to um, ask somebody. They had one thing they wanted to recommend that I do in order to pass. And... The person they asked said, no, it's either pass or fail. And, you know, the delightful part of that was, first of all, knowing that I had such great support from the dean of the school, which is Reverend Catherine Economo, and the uh, minister that supported the school, which is Reverend Christian Sorensen. And they were immediately running up the hill like, what do you mean she has a past? And going in and talking to people. And, and so they convinced the headquarters person, that if I wanted to, I could repanel. And so I said, of course I want to repanel. And they walked me down into a prayer room, which was just a room. It's We designated a prayer room. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting in front of these huge windows looking out at the ocean and the beach. And my first thoughts were, get up out of this chair, walk down the beach, uh, you're mortified. You have embarrassed yourself. Just go until you reach a phone, call your husband, tell him to come pick you up. We're out of here. And then the next voice was, and you have people in Santa Fe waiting for you to come back as a minister. Mm. So it was this back and forth, back and forth, like, ah, which is, which is it going to be? And I did repanel. And I, the difference was I walked in which we had been told to do, walk in as a minister, not like you're asking for anything because they're looking for a calling. It was interesting because when we started in the morning, the person that was heading up, the, assigning us to different panels, said, if you don't like the people in your panel, just let me know and I'll switch your panel. 
And I just got this direct, I don't want this panel. And when I told her that while I was waiting to go read panel, she goes, I told you to tell me. And I said, I didn't have a reason. Um, I don't know any of them. So you had that vibe, that feeling that it wasn't going to go well. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And so you have that feeling. So you walk in, what's going to happen? It's not going to go well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was teaching myself what I'd been learning um, all year or for the last four years. So the second panel, I walked in and I paneled and they passed me. So yeah, it was an experience I personally had to go through because I had the belief Kind of what you remember Roger, Rodney Dangerfield used to say that right. um, he didn't love his wife because who, who would marry him? I forget exactly what he said, <laughs> yeah. but it was kind of like if they want me as a minister, there must be something wrong with the organization. I didn't think even though um, I graduated with close to a four point average, writing papers, doing all of the work necessary, my self-talk was if they really knew who I was. Hmm. They wouldn't pass me. So obviously they pass everybody. So I had to prove to myself, I think they don't pass everybody. This is not a given that you're going to be a minister just because you can do all of the paperwork. Right. So um, that was, I believe the reason I called that in was for that experience. It was a a good slap up alongside the head. (laughs) Yeah. The universe has a way of doing that in the right time. It certainly does. So what were you afraid of them finding out of the who, of the real Gail Dillon? I think that um, there's a part of me at that time that felt like I didn't have the goods. Like I I probably wasn't smart enough. God knows how I thought I was getting mostly A's and, and a couple B's. But wasn't smart enough. Couldn't pray well enough. Didn't have the cojones, if you will, to lead a community and just all that self-doubt. Mm-hmm. I always remind myself that you have to get rid of your own self-doubt, mm-hmm. that, you know, it really is all about you. And that, you know, I gave a talk this morning at Genesis about saying it's all about you sounds selfish. And most of us were raised to believe it is selfish. And yet the truth is that um, if you don't do your work and make it all about you, if you know, if you want to be in a relationship and you want your partner to be loving and understanding, you have to be loving and understanding um, because it's not going to show up for you unless you can exhibit that out. Because usually, what we attract is a mirror of who we are. You've said that to me a numerous of times. Yes, I have. Has it sunk in yet? <laughs> <laughs> always still learning. Always still learning. Me too. How is the science of mind different than other philosophies? And how is it similar? And I just want to also say that a religious science, which is also what the science of mind is part of, right? Right. It's not associated with the Church of Scientology or Christian science. It's a totally separate philosophy organization yeah Uh, so and it's nothing like scientology it is similar to christian science in that we teach the same principles if you will that you know god is all there is and god lives in and as us that we are god in form 
which is, so for us, any new thought person, we don't believe that Jesus was the great exception. We believe Jesus was the great example. And what I mean by that is if I believed like Jesus, I could do the work that Jesus did. Mm-hmm. And which is interesting because today during our practitioner session, I we did a visioning and the last question was, is there anything else you want me to know as we move through our country and we seem to be more divided than ever is for me to ask myself all the time before I react, what would Jesus do? And I used to think that was the corniest question on the planet. And yet when you um, really, if everybody that believes in the prophet Jesus or for some people, the savior Jesus, if they really, really believe in him then what a question to ask yourself. Because if you ask yourself that, then there wouldn't be any hatred. Mm -hmm. There wouldn't be any anger. There wouldn't be any need to carry guns. He didn't carry a gun. He prayed and preached uh, unity and togetherness and loving one another. And regardless if they were were leopards or women. And, you know, at that time, that would be our our cast outs, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That was women and lepers. And so we've just... We keep recreating that in society. And his whole thing was, yeah, no, stop. Right. Um, so new thought is, you know, do we believe in Jesus? Yes. Are we, that would make us a, a Christian philosophy, except that we don't believe Jesus died to save us of sin because we don't believe we're born of sin. And so for many Christians, that would be considered sacrilege. The difference between us and Christian science is Christian science, they believe in the power of prayer, and so do we. And they believe in the power of prayer to the exclusion of um, doctors, nurses, medicine. And Ernest Holmes taught doctors, nurses, medicine, you know, God is in all of that, because God is in everything. And so, you know, don't exclude uh, people that are here to help you on your path. Right. You know, don't forget who you are. Don't forget about prayer. But there are some things that it makes sense that you probably want some additional help. I want help with my taxes, right? So <laughs> I'm not going to do those my he- myself. I go to a tax accountant. I could do it myself, but probably not with the best results. So that's the analogy I could make there. Unity is another new thought church. Um, that I'm familiar with that is part of this umbrella. And um, the difference between them and us is they really teach from the New Testament of the Bible. And Ernest Holmes, because he read so much and incorporated Buddhism and Hinduism and Judaism and Christianity, um, we're kind of a a melding of it all. So we don't pick one prophet. Um, to teach from, and unity tends to use the New Testament of the Bible way more than we do. Mm-hmm. And because we all get to be who we are in this philosophy, you can walk into a Center for Spiritual Living Church in Burien, Washington, and it may or may not be teaching the same thing as what they're teaching at the Seattle Center for Spiritual Living. We're teaching the same thing, but we get to put our own spin on it because we are our own personality. 
if someone who isn't familiar with Sunday service at Genesis Center for Spiritual Living, what can they expect to experience when they walk in on a Sunday? I would say Genesis, very much like every day when you walk in, you can feel the love of the community. Mm -hmm. It is tight knit and supportive, and it's always welcoming of adding whoever wants to show up and be part of that. And if you are watching that online, which is at uh, Facebook Live. So we have a Facebook page that's called Genesis Center for Spiritual Living. And if you log in at 9.30 and hit the video button and then the go live, you will find our meditation there at 9.30. And then it stops right around 9.50 and we take a 10-minute break and then we go live again on that same page. You have to go back and hit the live button again because the first live has stopped. And we start our Sunday service at 10. So we have an opening song. And then I welcome everybody. I read the mission statement to people. And then I tell people online that if they have anything that they're celebrating this coming week or this very day, or if this is their first service at Genesis, be it online, to put it in the chat. And then I do the announcements. And then I ask people in the room and online What are you celebrating? And so we let people stand up and say what they're celebrating. And then we sing, we celebrate you to the tune of happy birthday. (laughs) I do a, a, what I call a spiritual practice together, which is something that I learned from Reverend Kathy Ann Lewis. And it's looking down. And as you look down, you know, you kind of feel in the weight of the world. And so you look down and you're letting everything go from the morning from the week, from your life, anything you're ready to get rid of. And then the next process is to look out, to feel the expansion. And then the next process is to look up, to realize how connected you are with whatever you want to call that. And then I introduce the volunteers and then a practitioner comes up and does the grounding of the service. We do a congregational song. Then that practitioner does a reading and a prayer. And then we have a song before my talk. We have my message and we have another song and then we do an, we do a prayer request. So everybody online, I have them text in their prayer request. If you're in-house, you fill out a card. While people in-house are bringing up their offering, we do an offering song together and then we do a closing song. Peasy peasy. My talks are usually about 25 minutes. And that's because you don't want to overwhelm people. Mm-hmm. You want them to be able to to feel what you're giving them, to see if it works for them, if they want to incorporate it in their lives, and then let them go before they lose interest in what you're saying. And with that said, what is your process for writing your Sunday talks? (laughs) That's interesting. I'm putting much more faith in, um, as we would say, a download. And, you know, when, when people say that, a lot of people think, oh yeah, a minister download or somebody's channeling. My belief is every single one of us has that opportunity to listen and to be connected and to hear. You just have to be quiet. And as you know, it takes me a long time to learn how to be quiet. (laughs) So my process now has shifted from what it was in Santa Fe. And it usually starts today when I'm done. And I look at what's the title. Not any of the, the meat. What's the title of what I'm going to talk about next week? And then I just start to observe 
my life. Like when I'm meditating, when I'm journaling, when I'm interacting with people, when I'm watching things on TV, CBS Sunday morning, ooh, some of their stuff is golden. Uh, unfortunately, most of the time now, the golden part is towards the end and I have to go to church and can't see it. So <laughs> I usually talk about last week's edition. I just listen and watch and observe everything around me. And then I create bullet points. When I go to church, I have my music director, fortunately, is a practitioner. And then we have a practitioner that comes in that's doing double duty right now because you don't want a lot of other people in the building necessarily. Uh, so we pray in together and I listen to what they have to say. I listen to what the anchoring practitioner is reading and praying about. And then I get up and I either am talking about what my bullet points are there. So that's my net or whatever is inspiring me. How do you prepare yourself mentally, emotionally before each Sunday service? Do you have some kind of ritual? I, um, <laughs> it's funny. My Sunday morning ritual is interesting. So I get up in the morning and um, I, I do the shower makeup thing. And then I come in here and I do some posts that I do every single day on social media. And then I get dressed and I go downstairs and I put on coffee for my husband and I for later. And then I sit down and I read all the notes that I printed out for myself. Read them one, one more. I usually read them before I go to bed on Saturday night and then I read them Sunday morning. And then I have a prayer call. And I think this has helped me shift more than anything. It's another minister. Mm -hmm. It is also another person that is in recovery. We pray with each other every Sunday morning. So it helps ground you and stay open and listen to those messages that you need to hear before Sunday service. And I do go to the 930 meditation and just sit and whatever... You know, I'm either receiving the meditation or I am sitting just waiting for more inspiration. What's the overall message you want people to take away from your Sunday talks? Truly, I, I believe if they understood that there is something in them that has always been, will always be, and is now, I choose to say it's God informed. They can call it a soul. To me, if everybody got that and everybody knew scientifically, spiritually, emotionally, we're all connected uh, because we really are. And even before I knew about this philosophy, I could go back and look at my life and go, oh, yeah, you know, I could walk in a room and change the energy because I'd come in and. You know, I, could, I especially remember doing it with my kids when they were young. You know, they could be playing. I was fully in my disease uh, um, when I was raising them. And I could walk in and have had a bad day at work and not have to say a word. And just the energy of who I was could shift them from, oh, isn't life wonderful? But, okay, now it's time for eggshells because mom hasn't had a good day. Mm -hmm. For people to realize that is regardless of what they believe, to just start to pay attention of how they can shift energy. I remember when we were in Santa Fe and 
Um, remember going to the plaza during the summer? Mm-hmm. Three concerts at the plaza oh, every night almost, right? I think mm-hmm. it's only one or two where they don't. Great music. In fact, my favorite band now, do you realize this, Kathy? My favorite band now played at the plaza when I was living in Santa Fe and I didn't know it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Band of Heathens. I'm like, are you kidding me? But anyway, <laughs> I was taking an online class and they said to just go to a grocery store, kind of walk up and down the aisles, but take time to just kind of stop and just breathe and just, you know, kind of send out love all around you and watch people's energy shift. You know, if you see somebody arguing, don't get involved. Don't walk up to them and say, hey, I'm going to shift your energy. Just <laughs> and just shift your energy and just put out like, remember that song, Good Vibrations? Just put out good energy and watch people's shift. So I thought, OK, I'll practice this at the plaza. And they're used to be a young man at the plaza. And this is what I love about the Santa Fe Plaza is everybody is so welcoming and open-hearted. Nobody would ever say to this young man, like, please go away. Mm-hmm. He used to um, come and he would dance with people and he was a little intrusive when he did it. And so I was just sitting with my eyes closed, just sending him all of this love and you belong and you don't have to like force yourself on people. And I opened up my eyes and he was standing right in front of me. And I was like, oh, okay then. You know, that's a little much. <laughs> if people just got the power of their thoughts, the power of the energy that they're putting out, if they understood that and started to respond to everything with love and inclusion, then humanity, not not even the United States, humanity would shift because you can't, you know, you're not going to be able to undo that once that wave of good starts. Right. Yeah. That's my belief. That's what I would like to see happen. Do you have any favorite teachings of Ernest Holmes? My personal favorite book, I have a couple now, but my first one when I started Science of Mind is Can You Talk to God? And the reason was that I was new. I didn't really know anything about science of mind. I grabbed that book to read it when I was on vacation. And somewhere in it, and I'm going to chowder this quote, but he says something to the effect of, I am not creating the next great religion for people. People don't need another great religion. I am creating something that works for me. If it works for you, great. Don't believe what I believe. Read what I read and make up your own mind. And I was like, oh, okay. And we don't believe in heaven and hell. So, you know, you create your own heaven and hell right here. Right right here. Yeah. So, and your past is your past. You know, and so how many of us have maybe colorful past? I know I do. uh, Colorful past. And we shame and blame ourselves for it. And it's not going to change our past. Mm-hmm. And so to become loving and forgiving of who we were then. Because if I'd known what I know now, then I, would, I wouldn't have done what I did then. But I didn't know. And without walking that path, I wouldn't be who I am here today. Yeah. And so instead of beating myself up about it, learn how to reframe it into 
yep, that certainly happened. And now how do I use that to better myself and be a better person on the planet and maybe share that with other people so they can choose if they want to. You know, that's the other thing. I can't make anybody do anything. It has to be a choice. Wish I could. Wish I had a, you know, you know me. Wish I had a pill I could give people. Um, <laughs> those days are over, but, you know. Is that the same thing for people who can't forgive others in the past? Is it the same philosophy? Yeah, or people in that they're dealing with right now. I have a, I have a non-relationship with my sister, and she is my only surviving poor from my family of origin. My mom, my dad, my sister, my brother. My brother passed away a year after I moved here, so he passed away in 2017. My mom and dad passed away before I moved here. And we do not have a relationship, and that is her choice. And I have to honor that choice. And I have to really work on not blaming myself for it not working, although I hold responsibility in it not working. And I also have to not blame her for not having a relationship with me. That's her choice, and she gets to choose. And every once in a while, I will reach out, and it's crickets. Mm -hmm. There's no response. And I have to be okay with that. You know, I'm not going to force myself on her. And it breaks my heart. And it is what it is. And so, you know, for me, I don't know if you've ever heard Ho'oponopono. That's the other thing I love about religious science. You can bring in things from all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. It's not strict. It's not like you have to be within these lines. You can blur the lines and whatever teachings that resonate. Yeah. Absolutely. You can, you know, we have a, I think there's 12 declaration of principles, what we believe. And I've told people, you can believe all of that. You can believe none of it. You can pick and choose. It doesn't matter. Just be here. If this makes you feel good, be here. If it doesn't make you feel good, go find someplace that does. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like, oh, if I show up here, I've got a ticket somewhere. You know, you've got a ticket to personal responsibility. (laughs) Some people don't want that. So uh, Ho'oponopono is a simple prayer. It's, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And it's not about them. It's about clearing your consciousness of any attachment you have to the way they have treated you or they are treating you. So if you clear your consciousness of how you think it should be, then you're letting the universe create something that possibly can be. Because I don't know what the possibilities are with my sister. And if I keep thinking she's got to call me, she's got to text me, she's got to show up, then I'm limiting all the ways that that could happen. I could run into her at a Best Buy. And I don't go to Best Buy, so. (laughs) (laughs) So the possibilities are limitless. The possibilities are limitless. (laughs) What is one thing that people can do daily to strengthen their faith, regardless of what philosophy or belief system they follow? Five minutes. I think everybody has five minutes. Sit someplace, no cell phone, no TV, no radio, and just be quiet and listen. And for a lot of people, there's gonna be a lot of monkey mind and chatter and just sit there and just let it be. 
and they will notice that eventually the chatter will stop because it will put getting your attention. And if you've never sat in silence before, you'll probably fidget. You know, if you've never done it before, that's what it's going to feel like. Do it anyway. Set. Don't. Don't tell yourself, oh, I know what five minutes feels like, unless you really do. Set an alarm and don't open your eyes or move until the alarm goes off. Mm-hmm. That's where the magic is because that's where where you're, where you will start to trust your intuition, to trust the uh, connection that you have with something bigger than yourself. And that's where you're, you'll really start to hear those messages. And we all hear them differently. I happen to hear words. Some people see magnificent pictures. Other people get body sensations. So whatever it is, just allow it to be. That's great advice and some advice that I should probably practice myself. Yes, you should. (laughs) (laughs) You can find Reverend Gail Dillon at genesiscsl.org. And on social media, I know that she has her Instagram and probably Facebook videos that she posts every day because she's challenging herself to do it, right? Was it 100, 120 days or something? 66 days straight. And I finally decided I might have to give that up because I think subconsciously I might be skipping a day every now and then. <laughs> so I'll have to continue doing it. So it's like, you know, you don't have to stop at 66. 66 days is supposed to be that sweet spot of once you do it, then it's a habit. Ah, I see. So you can find her on social media. You can also join her and her members of Genesis CSL virtually Monday through Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time or Daylight's Time, whatever it is. Anyway, it's Pacific Time to stay connected to the CSL community. And you can also attend Sunday services virtually, or if you're in the Burien, Washington area, you can go there in person and on her website at genesiscsl.org. Thank you so much, Reverend Gail Dillon, for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. I am just so honored that you asked me, so thank you. It's been fun. It's fabulous seeing your your face all lit up doing what you love to do, so... Thank you. Thank you for listening to Women Who Sarcast, an independent podcast. We welcome and encourage your snarky comments. Contact us at womenwhosarcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at womenwhosarcast. Support us on Patreon and become part of our sarcastic community. Visit www.patreon.com backslash womenwhosarcast. Show music provided by Mike Imbasciani.